Every gamer has that one game they want all of their friends to play. Maybe it's old. Maybe it's new. Maybe it's obscure. Or maybe it's the game that everyone is playing. Whatever it is, it's that one game you love to talk about. Join us as we ask each other to try this game. So, Adam, I'm glad you could join me this evening. For together, we shall rule the world. As father and son? You're just, no. Today, this is kind of a special episode. We're doing two games in the same series. We're doing Evil Genius 1 and Evil Genius 2 World Domination. And the reason we're doing that is because Evil Genius 2 came out on March 30th, which was two days ago. It came out on Tuesday, and we're recording on Thursday. So just a quick vital statistics. The first Evil Genius is a PC game that was developed by Elixir Studios, and they're no longer with us. And it was published by Sierra, which was part of, at the time, Vivendi Universal Games, one of these big conglomerates that went around and ate everything. These days, it belongs to Rebellion, who developed and published the second one. In fact, if you load up Evil Genius 1 on Steam or GOG, you even see the Rebellion logo. So they did go back and tweak it, uh, which is, you know, fair. Evil Genius 1 came out in fall of 2004. You can buy it on Steam and GOG. Evil Genius 2 World Domination is Steam only for now. I assume at some point it'll probably pop on Epic, but not yet. This game, I mean, it's the same game twice, right? And it has, it's funny because it's very much like a game we've already talked about, Dungeons 2. Worth noting that uh, Calypso put all the Dungeons games on sale this week, so I guess they were kind of smart about that. Well, why not, right? And it's the same sort of thing. You're you, you start off by choosing, an, well, an evil genius. And in the first game, you had access to uh, Maximilian, this ball-headed German dude with a monocle, who was modeled after Blofeld, who I guess is one of the, the bad guys from the uh, 60s James Bond film, which is what the, the motif is here, right? 60s yeah. Bond film. Or you could choose this woman. I don't remember her name. I never actually played her. And then there's the least racially sensitive character, Evar <laughs> Shen Yu. <laughs> who he's Asian and he's got the, the eye makeup and the, the, the Fu Manchu mustache and the ponytail and, oh, he talk like this, like it's that bad. In the first one, choosing your genius didn't matter. There were no bonuses. But in the second one, you have four choices. One is espionage, one is science, one is soldiers, and the other, I think, is just workers. You know, depending which evil genius you choose, you get different bonuses. And right. you're presented with this, this layer, this underground layer under a volcano, and you build you know, corridors and you build laboratories and and interrogation chambers and an inner sanctum for yourself, you know, so you can talk to your henchmen and that sort of thing. And you have, and sort of like in, in dungeons too, in these sorts of games, you can't actually control any of your guys. You can just give orders and hopefully one of them gets around to, you know, doing that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which sometimes is an issue. It's got its moments. It's got its moments. It does. And then there's the world domination screen, which is a you know, map of the world. And you can send minions out into the world to raise trouble, raise money, to spy, and to conduct evil schemes, which are usually like steal something or kidnap someone. Because that's actually how you learn new professions for your, your generic workers. Like when you want to mm-hmm. learn, when you want to get guards, you go kidnap a guard. You interrogate him. The interrogator becomes a guard. And now he'll train more guards. Same with the technicians and, and the valets. And each of those three you know, branch off into like t- technicians can become scientists, 
who can then become well, like physicists and whatever and a guard can eventually become a sniper or a mercenary who's like heavy weapons or they can become like a kung fu master that sort of thing uh, and yeah. everyone has their own place and you also have like a cover to keep the agents of the forces of justice as they call them uh, you create a casino and you have your valets run it and the idea is the agents will come in there and you kind of bamboozle them by distracting them and sending them on their way it's a it's a, it's an interesting game and there's always traps you can build that are right out of like wily e. coyote cartoon oh yeah like the first trap you research in evil genius 2 is literally a boxing glove on yeah. the end of a spring like that's yeah giant you know, boxing glove that comes out of the wall freeze rays dark traps <laughs> uh, shark pits yes uh, yes and just like in the original you can chain them together so he trips an alarm and the huge fan blows them down the hallway and then they pass by the the boxing glove that punches them smacks him into the far wall and they fall down into the shark pit and they get eaten uh, when it works, it, it, it's okay, but I could, I'll be honest, I've been playing the original Evil Genius since 2004. I've never once gotten those traps to work right in chains. Ever. Oh, really? Ever. You set up cameras that watch over doors, and then you have to assign people to monitoring desks, and, you know, all of this requires manpower. So it becomes, you know, a matter of, well, how many people do I send out into the world to cause trouble and find stuff and, you know, steal stuff and, and, uh, and make money how many of them do i actually leave to you know run my base and and it's only as many as necessary only as messy many as necessary well it's interesting was that one thing that the two games do differently is in the original one let's say a scheme required three workers well mm. okay they get in a chopper and off they go but once the scheme is over any of them that survived it they come home and they carry on right. with their work in evil genius 2 they don't ever come back you're essentially spending their lives and then you have to wait for other minions but that's the advantage right once you send three workers off once they're off base, more workers will come. Yeah, you'll recruit more and refill your ranks. Yeah, but here's the thing. If you, let's say you send a guard, you're not going to get a guard in his place. You're going to get a worker who must then be trained to be a guard. Right. So it's it's a little more of a balancing act. I'm not sure how well it works. I haven't played the new game enough to really know, but it's just mm. a different way of doing things. And, you know, good for them for trying something different. But Yeah, definitely know. different. Uh, personally, I have spent a lot more time playing this already than I have playing the original. And yeah. I, I just find this flows a lot better. Than oh yeah. The original. But I mean, we'll, we'll get into that. It's clear what rebellion did. Like, first off, it's very obvious that they were fans of the game. Mm-hmm. Very rebellion much. doesn't make games like this. They make the sniper elite series, which are great games, by the way, those are the mm-hmm. ones with the X-ray bullet cam. Yeah, yeah. So you can so you can watch the path of the bullet through the unfortunate Nazis you're shooting, uh, <laughs> but then they made a, a sort of an offshoot called Nazi Zombie Army, which is exactly what it sounds like. It's actually pretty great. And then they made sounds a second delightful. one, and then yeah, then they made a Nazi Zombie Army two, and then they just the third one they just called Zombie Army Trilogy, which had all okay. the stuff from the first two games and more. And it's a four player co op game. It's actually pretty cool. So they make shooters. So it's clear that this game was very much a an act of love for them. Like this is a labor of love. This is something they wanted to do. Oh yeah. And it's clear that they spent a lot of time taking notes. Okay. People who've been playing this game have been playing it for 16 years. So we have to keep doing A, B and C, but how can we improve A, B and C? Every time I'm introduced to a new mechanic in Evil Genius 2, I say, okay, I see how they've changed that. I get what they're thinking. It doesn't always work better. Sometimes it's just different, but it's clear somewhere they had whiteboards listed with features 
before and after, you know, EG1 into EG2. Right. And I, I respect the hell out of them for that, that Rebellion really took their time to try and get this right. Yeah, and that's, that's obvious right off the hop that they spent a lot of time really honing on in this honing in on this game exactly what the tone is because that's the most important part of this game following up from the original evil genius the tone the feel the sense of humor yeah. The, oh yeah like they they could have changed mechanics as much as they wanted as long as they keep the the essence of the original mm -hmm. title yeah, the music is the same thing. It's right out of a... It's like the soundtrack for yep. a 60s Bond film. I'll be honest, I turned off the soundtrack just because I don't like that type of music. Uh, but yes. that's my problem. Overall, I think this is version 1.0. Well, mm -hmm. I'm sure it's got... I'm sure it's not quite, but it's... Like, this is the release version that we're playing. Yeah. I have not encountered any bugs. Doesn't mean there aren't any. I'm, I mean, I check the Steam forums and there's always someone complaining about something. So clearly there are bugs there. But right. I'm actually impressed that it's a very solid release. Like they, it is. They pulled off a because the thing with these management sims, it's balancing like ten things in the air at once. You're spinning a lot of plates, and they mm -hmm. seem to have pulled it off. I mean, there are some things that you know that sort of bother me. Like I think the camera is a little mushy. They use keys to control the camera, and so the camera movement speeds up and then slows to a stop, as opposed to being um, digital. It's analog. Right. So sometimes when I tap the key, it turns a little bit to the left or a little bit to the right more than I wanted it to. Okay. And I actually pointed that out in a tweet and they said, you know, thank you for your input. So at least they're taking notes. Whether they change it is another matter. You know, things like when you call up a menu, you lose control of the cursor keys. You can't move the camera with the cursor keys because now the cursor keys control the buttons in the menu. Right. That's just annoying. All they have to do is add key mapping menu directions as opposed to camera directions. It's like little things like that or you know, sometimes the camera doesn't work quite as well as you'd hope or, but those are tiny things. And I mean, personally for me, I find that I enjoy how the camera looks. I like that it's got this sort of slow, uh, this slowing effect as you mm. release off the button. It feels more natural and less like I stop pressing a button. Yeah, and, and I can see that, and, and that's probably what they're going for, because clearly it was a choice. It'd be nice yeah. if you had an option, if you could flip it, because they do have an option for cameras where it'll sit at an angle, and when you rotate the camera, it will eventually snap back to that chosen angle. Here's the okay. problem. You, get to, you don't get to choose what that starting angle is, right? and it's offset. I like a north-south view. Okay. And you get like a northwest-southeast view, so it's angled. Which right. is annoying when you're trying to look down hallways that are north, south, or east, west. Hmm. Things like that. And, you know, the original game had, you could hit control one through control nine, and you would it would set the location and the camera angle and the zoom distance that you had. So I would set, like, for my door, control one. And I would okay. have it at the angle I wanted and the zoom level I wanted. So, you know, whatever else I was doing in the game, if I hit the number one, it would zip right back there. So I could be where I needed to be as quickly as possible. Which is handy when you hear, you know, your power station is under attack and you want to get there quickly and you want to see the right angle. You know, things right. like that, they'll, I'm sure they'll add, like they're going to take this list of things, they're going to sit down. I'm sure they, well, it's Easter, so I'm sure, I'm hoping these guys took the weekend off. But, you know, they're going to sit down, they're going to figure this out, they're going to say, oh, what can we do? What's nonsense? Yeah. What makes sense? What's an option? And, and they'll start patching. But for a 1.0 release, they've made a remarkably solid game. Yeah, absolutely. 
and it's fun. It's a lot of fun. It's super relaxing, but it's cool. Now, this is kind of your introduction to the Evil Genius series, isn't it? Like you hadn't played the first one before, or had you? Yeah, no, I'd, I'd seen it. Um, for whatever reason, it just sort of hadn't hadn't piqued my interest in that way that like I, I wanted to dig into it. And much yeah. the same as you, I've got, you know, all the games in my Steam library that I just haven't gotten around to playing yet. Yeah. And this was just one of those games that never really reached out enough and mm-hmm. jumped up enough for me to want to say, yeah, okay, I'm going to download this and I'm going to sink a couple hours into it. And then, you know, in obviously in preparation for this podcast, I did download the original and sink a couple hours into it. And, you know, it's it's very dated. It, it I looks, still think it looks great. I'm sure that a lot of it's got to do with, like, you're very used to it. Your That's eyes yeah. see it. I've been playing it, it all this time. Yeah, you recognize it. Uh, for me, it was... Like, it, it, it still looked fine. It was mm-hmm. perfectly serviceable, perfectly playable game, but it was just very noticeably dated graphics. The mechanics of it were just fine. Like, again, I, I only played an hour or two of this. It was just... It felt clunkier and just not quite exactly as fluid as I might like it to be, but mm-hmm. that's whatever. It's Again, it's a dated game. Coming into the sequel, though, I find that I've got a lot more affinity to this game than I did to the original. Obviously, the graphics are updated. That's oh, yeah. it's a negligible point, though. Mm-hmm. Um, we've we've discussed several times that you know graphics definitely do not make or break a game. It feels smooth. It feels intuitive to what I want to do. And there there have been a couple of bugs that I've bumped into. I had an issue where my technicians weren't training, so. Oh, really? I, yeah, I wound up having to scrap all of my old training stations, then rebuild them in a different location. Oh, okay. Um, and then when I rebuilt them, then they started their training. Uh, I've had some um, some of the side missions that didn't tick off when they hit 100%. Yeah. But it's it's tiny little bugs. Like we said, this is their this is their launch version, and I'm I'm just happy when a game comes out and they don't have like yeah that doesn't have a 20 gig day zero patch that they need to add into it oh yeah i haven't encountered any of those problems i've encountered some weird choices i'm not sure that they're they're, the way they their menus work is quite as great as before like the one thing i do like more is the construction menu like you right click on on Mm -hmm. something oh yeah you right click on a room it immediately brings you there to that room and there's tabs for items and decor and if you click on solid rock you get the, it's always the same build menu whereas in the first one it was like this scrolling menu down the left side and mm-hmm. you know it worked okay but not gloriously uh one thing i have to get used to is that to really properly place thing place things you must be looking straight on down it must be complete oh, otherwise you're you wind it with gaps between you and the wall like your, your equipment and the walls and that's easy i've got like the, the tilt up and down function on my page up and page down i I tilt up so that I'm looking straight down onto the room so I can mm-hmm. see the grid more clearly. And then okay. I, I find it easier just to drop things. because I, What I found I was doing is things were not being pressed up against the wall. So I was having uh, I was having space that then becomes useless. Okay. Um, you know, things like that. I mean, it, it's, it does a pretty good job of showing you where things need to be. It's funny, like you say, I'm so used to the original. Whereas it used to be that a, a corridor was too grid squares wide that was perfectly acceptable now the same thing is four grid squares because they've chopped each grid, each grid in half is the fidelity is much higher the resolution is much higher so they got more detailed so right. things that used to occupy one grid they still do but now it's actually two grid squares 
Okay, you know I, what I see mean? what you like, mean. Little things like well, that. You can you can still do a two grid hallway that people walk down. Sure, and and in fact, I do. I like narrow hallways. They're great for keeping the bad guys from causing too much damage because they get bottled up with uh, the workers. Right. They took every grid square from the original game has been has been cut in half. Yeah. So it's or I guess quarters really. So two grids, two one grid square wide is actually now two. You know, six of one, half a dozen the other. That's just a, a matter of getting used to it. That took me a couple of hours, and I did. Uh, one thing that drives me nuts about the new game, I'll say, is that you have to go collect your rewards. Why? Oh yeah. Like. Yeah. On, is there a reason you would say no no I don't want that money thank you I'm good you know what I mean like yeah, that's I understand fair enough. like if your vault is full and that money is a throwaway then you should have some sort of alarm that says your vault is full please expand it and I've had that a few times where I had to go out and yep. spend money and you just like you generate in, in the real world you generate heat which is not like warm heat it's like the attention of the, of the forces of justice and if it gets too high in a region the region shuts down for I think it's five minutes yeah. So you can pay to have heat removed. You can either send three workers, but of course now you're giving up three workers, or you can cough up 10 grand and it'll burn away 50 points of heat. And so I found a few times where my vault was full, I just went and burned down the heat in a few locations and I was good to go. But I can't see any reason why when it comes to objectives, again, unless the vault is, the vault is full, why don't they just give me the damn thing? Why do I have to go and click collect reward? Like why? It's money. I know what you're giving me. You know, yeah, it's, it's... I mean, I, I guess that doesn't really bug me. It, it, it feels more satisfying to go and collect it myself than if it just popped up on my screen. Because, I mean, odds on, I'd probably even forget that I had that uh, had that objective in there and I was just doing things and why am I getting money? At yeah, least, I suppose. I mean, I, I don't think that it's uh, a particular problem one oh, way or the problem. other. It's just annoying. You know, other things like you can only ever display two optional objectives on your, your play screen at once. Sure. And, some, and sometimes you can't even do that. It seems to be a little finicky. If yeah. I have five optional objectives going, why can't I display all of them on the screen? What do you care? It's little things like that. And a lot of these are design choices that probably made sense to these guys sitting around the table going, well, we'll just show two. That should be good enough. And everyone goes, yeah, I guess so. And they get used to it and they stop thinking about it. They'll get input. They'll listen to us. Yeah, right. But they'll, you know, they'll listen to the people bitching and moaning on the Steam forums and on Twitter, and they'll reconsider that. Well, most people would like three objectives visible or four objectives visible. Okay, that's easy enough. Let's do that. Or if enough people complain about the whole collect objectives thing, maybe they change it to a pop-up on your main screen. You achieve the following objectives. Click OK. And then you don't have to go into menus to collect. It's just it's right there on your play screen. Sort of like yeah, when you finish uh research. Yeah, so. that's that's fair enough. I don't know. I don't see much of a an issue with those personally. I'd be perfectly fine if they uh, if those didn't get changed. But again, that's just me. Like uh, if well, I these are preference issues, right? Yeah, yeah. This is purely preference. If I can only see the two optional objectives again, it's kind of a, a whatever thing. It's not too tough to kind of keep those in the back of your head. For me, at least, I find yeah. them. Okay, I need to do... I need to go train these guys and do this and do this. Okay, whatever. What I what I found is that with regards to the camera, personally, and placing things, I, I definitely know what you mean. Um, it's very easy to place something one tile to the right of where you mean to. Yeah. Thinking about, thinking about it from a different angle has kind of helped me, is that I'm placing it on a tile that is like flush with the ceiling mm -hmm. 
and if I use that, I find that it uh, it places it a lot more easily. But I've also got the uh, the mouse pan and everything tied to uh, my middle click. So if I just have to pan up really quickly and pan back down, that makes my life a lot easier. Yeah, I've never been big in strategy games on using the mouse for camera. Mm-hmm. Um, I want my camera to move separately from what I'm doing with my mouse. So yeah. for me, and it's also because I'm left-handed, right? So I'm using the cursor keys. Right. So I use the cursor keys for up, down, left, right for the camera. I use the delete and end key to rotate left and right, and the page up mm-hmm. and page down to pan forward or pan back. Okay. And then to rotate an object, I'm using the keypad one and two. So everything is on my right hand. Okay. Uh, I don't think it occurred to them that's the way people would do things. And I see that, like I took a couple of glory shot photos, you know, using the photo mode, which is actually pretty cool. I've, ne- yeah. I've never seen a strategy game with a photo mode, so good on them, why not? Uh, yeah. Because this game looks gorgeous, so why not show it off? Uh, Absolutely. It's got that little, It's got, I'm not sure what the name of the, the graphic option is, but it gives it that plastic model look when you freeze it. Okay. You know, where it looks like you're looking at a diorama when you, when you yeah, pause yeah. things. It's very cool. Uh, Tailspire, which is coming out, has that same look. Okay. Uh, that's the role-playing game, sort of 3D miniatures thing on the computer. I, think mm-hmm. I, I kickstarted it. I think I've been showing pictures of it. It's got that same look, and it's, it has to do with what's in focus and what's out of focus. Okay. Um, and it's very, it, the game is gorgeous, and, and this really gives it, but when you, you know, really gives it that shine. But when you've got the camera mode going, you can't use the, uh, the cursor keys for the mouse anymore. Okay. Because it's using a menu. Right. And you can't create a second set of keys. Like a lot of games you'll have like for key mapping, you'll have the first and second options. So you have alternates. Right. Because then I would set it to WASD, but I don't have that option. So again, that's something they'll figure out. Yeah. All the, the little details aside, this game looks gorgeous. It sounds yeah. really cool. It's got a cute sense of humor to it. It's not quite Austin Powers ridiculous. But it's getting there. It's definitely got a, a sense of humor that, like, it, it's quite aware of what it's going for. Oh yeah. Like, there's no, there's no beating around the bush. There's nothing that's coy about it. The the game fully embraces sort of the '60s, '70s aesthetic, and um, is perfectly willing to have its villains be over the top blowhards that are ripped directly from you know James Bond, Austin Powers. Yeah whatever spy movie you'd like to you'd like to list off um and i i thoroughly enjoy it i mean i'm not like i've watched all the bond movies i used to i used to actually own all the bond movies when i was really yeah yeah (laughs) uh, over over the years my folks had uh given me uh, these box sets there were like four box sets you collected them and they had all the james bond movies actually i might still have those dvds kicking around somewhere anyways um so I mean I've I've seen them all. There's a lot of lovely tropes that you can recognize out of those movies. It it does just such a, a phenomenal job of being an excellent base building game. It looks outstanding. I love the fact that you get little character interactions between your evil genius and the hench people or uh or your minions. Oh, the uh, little vignettes where you see them up front and there's there's text. I hate yeah. those things, to be honest. Really? I, I, found that I, I just, I didn't even wait for the voices to finish. I just blew through them. I just read them quickly and carried on. I found because really? the voice work. acting is so good. Oh, it is. But you know what? I would have rather. I would have rather zoomed in and watched the activity of the base happen around you, and watch your actual characters in the game talking, as opposed to what amounts to a screenshot cutscene. I mean, sure, but at that point, then you're having to model custom animations for each of the little individual models and. I mean, this yeah. seems very straightforward. You've got the yep. art. You've got like five different reaction panels that the art has. 
Uh, and I mean, they they are animated as well. Like the characters are going through uh, movements yeah. in these little vignettes. And I I don't know. I thought it was I thought it was excellent. I thought that it added a lot of character to the game. It was fun. It was a breakup from seeing the exact same thing over and over again. Yeah. It was a different viewpoint. It was a different perspective. It it changed. Uh, just kind of changed the flow for a second to say this is something different. Let's just step away from what's actually happening in real time for a moment. Yeah, and I know there's a sandbox mode in this game, and my understanding is that you know once you've completed the campaign, you just want to build the base without going through all the story stuff. Mm -hmm. You can just do that, and then it'll just tell you, okay, next go get a henchman. Next go recruit right. this. And there's no drama about it. It's just carry on. Uh, right. This game, I mean, one thing, one improvement we haven't mentioned is that in the first game, you had one island. Everyone had the same island. Mm -hmm. And it had one level to it. And then halfway through the game, or two-thirds through the game, you move to a second island, and it was always the same island. Here, you choose your starting island, you have three options, and it has multiple floors. And you're stuck on that island for the duration of the game, but you can have two, three, four floors, which is great. One complaint I do have about the game is that it doesn't tell you some things that you need to know. Like, I kept getting... And, and it, you know, because I played the first one, eventually it dawned on me the problem. I kept hearing your research has paused. And I go look and no, nothing's on fire and no one's on fire, which in this game is sometimes a problem. And yeah. uh, especially if you have Red Ivan around, Jesus. I couldn't figure out what the problem was and it took a while to dawn on me. Oh, right. She's going for a, for a snack or she's going yeah. to hang out in the staff lounge. Yeah, of course she is. And that's why you realize you can't do this with one scientist, you need a few. Right. But they don't ever tell you that. Like, you know, your, your workers of various sorts will eventually need to kickback so make sure you have someone to take their next shift and i'm not sure whether i like or not the fact that they they make you learn you figure that out on your own i'm not sure whether that's a good thing or not the, an argument can be made both ways i i liked it um i i never really had an issue where they said oh your your research is paused because i i kicked off and i had i think three scientists at the beginning mm -hmm. and then i realized oh i can also just add in extra whatever they were, whiteboards or whatever. Yeah. Um, and have multiple researchers going at the same time. So now my research speed is double. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and little things like that. Like I said, I'm never quite sure whether it's good to leave it up to the to the player to figure out or not. I should have figured that out from the original game. Research is much better in this game. That's the one thing that's a vast improvement. In the original one, if you didn't have like an FAQ that listed combine this item with this mechanism and this mechanism and you'll get this and it was a lot right. of experimentation so you spent a lot of time wasting your time here there is a modern research tree yeah hallelujah <laughs> because it was really because in the, in the original game you either were taking notes and eventually figured it out or like everyone else you went on the internet and you found a game guide sure and this is this is so much better one thing I, I will say, and I, I really want to give them a tip of the hat, is that they know a lot of the people buying this game, the people who've been evangelizing this game in the months leading up to it, including myself, love that first game. I've been playing it since 2004. So they make sure there are a lot of connections. Like for instance, in the original game, one of your henchmen was a Soviet soldier with a rocket launcher named Red Ivan. He's very cool. I never liked having him around because the rocket launcher is great at killing the enemies and unfortunately everything and everyone else <laughs> in range. So you spend a lot right. of a time, you know, putting a lot of time putting out fires in your own base. 
but now they've upgraded him to an to an evil genius. He's one of the four. I just recruited my very first henchman 20 minutes before we started recording. Jubai. Okay. He's the janitor turned samurai. Oh yeah. And in the first game, he's this young guy, and now he's this old man, hunched over with still the same ponytail and the baggy pants, but now he's got like John Lennon glasses on. And and <laughs> when you recruit him, he says, "I want you to help me rule the world." He says, "Yeah, that's what the last guy said." So I'm going to do better. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. It's things like that, like these characters. Some of them. One of them is the Barracuda, and I'm not sure from which movie he's stolen. He's this tall black dude. He's impeccably dressed. He's got a huge afro. You can recruit his son in this one. It's the same thing. It's Barracuda Jr. And he's just this yeah. slick and cool guy with a silenced gun. Yeah, uh, that's uh, stolen from the man with the golden gun. Is that where that's from? Okay. Like even the heroes, because eventually the forces of justice will send tougher and tougher enemies at you. Eventually they'll send their region's super agent. And one of them is, his name is Jet Chan. It's Bruce Lee. <laughs> It's Bruce Lee from Enter the Dragon with the baggy pants and the slippers and no shirt. And he even mm -hmm. does the, like all that stuff. Oh, yeah. Uh, there is John Steele, which is like discount James Bond. And, <laughs> you know, there's one that's meant to be, what was the name of the Bond girl from the first movie? Was that Pussy oh, Galore? Uh, no, Pussy Galore that, was that, That's a name. Um, uh, the one in the, the octopusy. Yeah. Yo, that was the one. Well, no, the one. The one who comes out in the, um, in the in the orange bikini. She's one of the the agents in that one as well. And you know these these super agents. You can't just kill them. You have to wear them down until you essentially take away their super awesomeness, and then you can yeah. kill them. A lot of the stuff in the second game harkens back to the first game, and you probably don't care that Red, the evil genius Red Ivan was mm -hmm. just a henchman in the first game, but if you played the first game, you go, oh, that's cool. You yeah. know, I remember him. I still don't want to recruit him because I'm sick of putting on fires. You know, or Jubai. <laughs> Why did I choose him? Because I used to love him as a henchman because he uses a sword, which means he doesn't start fires when he kills people. I'm noticing a trend here that you're complaining I, a lot about I don't about like fire. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's the one thing about this game is that stuff blows up, so you have to make sure you have lots of fire extinguishers on the wall. Yeah. Um, you know, it's little things like that, or the fact that uh, it used to be when you, when you killed people, they become a body bag, and then you hang them right. in a meat locker, and eventually they yep. go away. Now it's an incinerator. Yes. They got, they yes, got rid I of the cold like room. that change. Yeah. It's yeah. funny because I happened to notice uh, on Tuesday... Some guy has been working on this super, super duper mod for the original game, and it includes an incinerator. Okay. He, I mean, this game, the original game didn't, Elixir gave up on it at some point and tried to move on to other games, probably to, you know, generate more income and, you know, save themselves. Yeah. So some of the bugs never went away. So someone created this special patch, which I think I gave to you, and it fixes problems in the game. And this is a fan patch. Mm-hmm. We've seen a few of those, like we talked about the Hyperion patch for Emperor of the Fading Suns. Right. The company goes under, people who love this game say, no, no, we need to fix this. And someone's a programmer, they're a coder, and they fix the problem. You got to respect that. Oh, absolutely. And the fact that last week, some dude, or this week, some dude released a modification for a, for a 16, almost 17-year-old game, the sequel <laughs> for which was coming out two days later, yeah. and he still did it. Like, I respect that. Because not oh, everyone will have the money or the computer to run this. It's, it doesn't require a powerful system. I know because I'm running it. These guys have a great sense of humor. When they released the video that included the uh, minimum recommended specs for Evil Genius 2, the announcer says, 
But if you don't have any of that and you're still rocking your old beige box, Evil Genius One is for sale cheap on Steam and here are the minimum requirements and it's like a Pentium. You know, it's it, yeah. <laughs> which all at once is funny. It, it, it made for a very funny trailer. You should look it up. But also, they recognize not everyone can run this and times are tough all over. So here's a game you can probably get for three bucks on a Steam sale. Right. It was also very cool that you got a 50, instead of a 10% discount for pre-ordering Evil Genius 2, if you owned Evil Genius 1, you got a 15% discount. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's it's so obvious that these guys, uh, they really, really had a lot of passion for what they were making. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it just smacks through in, in everything that you do, whether it's, you know, just zooming in on things and seeing how detailed yeah. individual room decorations are. Like, every room has its own posters that will go up on the wall. I uh, that, that you can... Yeah. Yeah, you can, you can zoom right in and see exactly... Uh, exactly what the posters are like the power rooms have radioactive symbols and make sure you're wearing your hazard or your hard hat the uh, the security room has a bunch of propaganda posters on it of course it does about people yeah uh, the the lunch room has you know signs about apples are good for you and whatnot it's it's just <laughs> I noticed that yeah it's it's That's just cool. these small little details that like and and as we've mentioned before every ounce of this is just sort of dripping with character like if you once you make your hench people a, I wanted to say staff lounge but that implies they're getting paid um, yeah. uh, a hench person paid. lounge yeah, yeah. One, of, one of the things you can put in there is a TV set for them to sit yeah. down and watch pro evil genius movies on yes. during their break yes. and it is a sunken uh, circular couch area with this very space age looking tube TV in front of it and you can just you can feel the shag carpet under your feet as you descend the three oh, steps into totally. this thing to go it's it's just so immaculately designed like they did, really they, they did really an amazing job and oh my god if you if you have a look at your um, your evil geniuses sanctum uh, you have to build them this desk basically yeah, it functions more as a throne, though, though I wound up choosing Emma, who was the former Hammer operative. Oh, yeah, the um, the spy lady with the uh, the spider wheel chair. Yeah, she doesn't actually have a chair in her uh, inner sanctum. She it's just got a space for her to <laughs> yeah. move her chair up and sit in. And there's posters of her, or sorry, paintings of her and her cat with these, or ah. maybe it's a dog. I can't quite see very well, but yeah. her and her angry animal line the walls along with these chandeliers and this ancient tv that's obviously meant to be hidden behind a painting like everywhere you look in this game there is something that just jumps out and screams hey look at me somebody put a lot of hours into making sure that i was attention getting well you know it's funny when, when we reviewed city skyline you remember what my complaint was there was no personality yeah. it was it was so boring and and because it was boring i didn't care it didn't have the personality of, say, SimCity, which is the same aesthetic as The Sims. If you're going to spend time in a strategy game, you have to enjoy the atmosphere. And City right. Skyline had none. This is dripping with atmosphere. And you just sort of look at it and smile and go, that's cute. And you could spend time just looking around and having fun and watching these people wander the halls. And mm -hmm. It's cool. Like, I just, they did a first rate job. I'm so impressed with this game. They did. Yeah. And I mean, you know, in, in defense of City Skylines, I, I find that I can do all the things you just lifted off there in that game. 
because I don't want it to be cute. I don't want it to be quaint. I want it to be a, a city building sim. And yeah. this game, yeah, I want it to be cute and quaint and have little bits of odd life. I want, you know, people to be walking around and get zapped by a freeze ray. If you introduced yeah. a freeze ray in City Skyline, something would be severely wrong. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, the original day, SimCity's always had Godzilla. Yeah. You know? Because you know what? This game is not a base building simulator. It's a 1960s James Bond evil genius based building simulator. All about the atmosphere. Oh, absolutely. This is entirely meant to tickle nostalgia buttons for people who have watched all the old James Bond movies yeah. or yeah. Uh, or Austin loved Powers. Austin Powers. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's it's meant to do those things and it does it so well. Yeah. And yeah, I don't yeah. know, man. Like this it's is sort of just... a closing thought. I'll tell you, I kind of hope they release an expansion where I can play like the 1980s G.I. Joe cartoon Cobra. <laughs> I want my evil genius to be Cobra Commander. I want my henchmen to be like Tomax and Zaymont and Destro and the Baroness and Storm Shadow. And that's what I want. I want to be infiltrated by Snake Eyes and Scarlet and Duke. And, you know, I'm really hoping for that. It'll never happen, but I can dream. Uh, well, I, I doubt that they'd get the licensed version, but it wouldn't surprise me if there was a, a knockoff version of it. Yeah, it's too bad because Hasbro's pretty desperate to promote G.I. Joe. I'm sure they would do just about anything. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's it, the fact that I would like to see a mod. I'd like to see modding available for this game. But I get the impression mm -hmm. they're probably a little afraid to open that up. Because you, the more moddable something is, often the more generic it has to become. Are you going to play this game more? Are you going to keep on? Or are you just going to do your thing and carry on? Like you're going to play for 10 more hours and stop? Or is this a game that you're going to always come back to, t Ficker? I I honestly don't know. I don't think that this is going to be something that I'm going to uh, become a diehard, dedicated fan of. Mm -hmm. I paid good money for it. I'm going to keep mm -hmm. it around. I'm going to I'm going to eventually play through it. But it makes me feel a little bit vindicated for not having gotten getting sucked into Evil Genius One because mm -hmm. it's a very good game. I recognize that this is an excellent game and it's perfect for the people who desire this. But I, I'll, I'll get through it, I'll see everything that it's got to have, and then I'll probably put it down. And yeah. maybe I'll wind up streaming it for fun later on down the road, or find some <laughs> ridiculous, goofy exploit that uh, that completely breaks the game just for giggles. Yeah, see, for me, I'm going to pump in hundreds of hours into this game, I know it. I'll complete the campaign, and then I'll want to try again with Maximilian and Emma, but I won't do it in the campaign, I'll just do the sandbox mode with them. Right. The campaign, I think, is meant to be sort of like the ultimate tutorial, and it ends with you Probably. destroying the world. Because that's the one thing, you, you've never completed the original. The whole point isn't just to build the Doomsday Machine, it's to use the Doomsday Machine yeah. and actually destroy the world. And that's fun to do. I'm looking forward to destroying the world many times over here, but I'm not sure if you can destroy the world in the sandbox or whether you just sort of keep going. Right. But, man, I'm... I'm happy I bought this game. I bought like the suit, the, the deluxe version, so I get all the extra cool stuff with it. Okay. Yeah. Well, so... I mean, you've got you've got four floors of a base plus an entire casino to build, so there's lots of uh, lots and lots of space for you to work in. By the by, who did you pick for your genius? Uh, Zilka is her name, I think. The uh, the scientist. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I want to destroy the world with science. I knew right from the like right from when they released the first wallpaper of the four geniuses. I took one look at the science person and went, "Yeah, that's that's me right there." I did Emma, but I will do Emma. <laughs> I will do Emma next, and one day I'll get around to Max. The only one I won't do is is Red Ivan because I'm sick of putting out his goddamn fires. 
Well, uh, you can just kind of plop your genius in their inner sanctum and not have them wandering around. Yeah, but until you have an inner sanctum, you've got a psycho with a rocket launcher wandering around causing havoc. Go They'll sit and stay where you put them, though, won't they? I think if you've got them doing something, they'd eventually they get bored and wander off. Oh, okay. Uh, if I could assign, like, one technician to walk behind Red Ivan with a, uh, <laughs> with a fire extinguisher... Like just yeah. constantly, sort of like the robots from uh, the robot helpers from Iron Man, always ready to put them out. Right. Maybe then I I do them, but the other three are so cool. I mean, and they're adding an evil genius with this. I bought the seasons pass. They added. Okay. They're adding an evil genius. They're already adding a new room, the toilet. Ugh. I think it could have done without that, but whatever. They're adding new rooms. They're adding new objectives, all sorts of new stuff, uh, new henchmen. You know, so. It's it's a little bit like uh, the way Sid Meier does the expansions with Civilization. It's not more content that you do on its own. It's more content that adds to the base game. Right. You know, sort of like XCOM, when you added War of the Chosen, it wasn't its own thing. It changed the base game itself. It, it makes a new game for you. And yeah. so that's what they're going to do here. So, yeah. But uh, I'm going to I'm going to put in hundreds of hours of this starting tomorrow. <laughs> well, I wish you all the best of luck. It is damn good. It is damn good. That's fair. And there it is. <laughs> there it is. Mm-hmm.